Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Hey, man. Hey, 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 slow it down, my friend. Slow it down. What do you got in your hand? Nothing. Nothing. No, 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 no. You've been sober for a very long time. I don't want to do this in front of the audience. 36 years, February 1st. Yeah, well, what do you have in your hand? It's a match. Show it to me, Jimmy. I will get on the train. Oh, it's a match. Why do you have a match? Because I'm a fruit, and I like to light a candle. Okay. All right. <laughs> Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Yes, Jimmy. Matt said I was doing drugs. I believe me. I, I've, I, I mean, I know I can't. But the idea of smoking pot seems like so much fun. But I just know that for me, it would lead to other things. I've yeah, seen a very Mark. close friend of mine smoking pot, and I seem you're getting more enjoyment out of it than I would be able to. Well, Jimmy, I did some today. You know what it led to? It led to well, yes, it led to tripod sweeps and back takes, and that's what it led to on me. To you. It might lead to getting to like a straight in a go going to a bathroom stall with a stranger. I don't I, know what it entails with you. I'd be in a, I'd be in a corner cowering. Yes, going there's people knocking on their windows. They're talking about me. You know, trust me, uh-huh. I'm a paranoid fuck, dude, even sober. With me, dude, I'm like, don't stop me now. I'm having a good time. I'm having a ball, and then I show some techniques. Oh, today, Jimmy, I was like pent up. Pent <laughs> up, not in the way. Oh, uh, okay. I was the other day, and I attacked my wife, and I got good for you. Day. Yeah. Oh, what a what a time we had! Uh, like newlyweds, <laughs> like newlyweds. Yeah, but, it's good. Uh, it's healthy. You know, no, no, yeah, we like that. Uh, and now, but yeah, I was also pent up because I'm used to exerting some energy. Like even when I'm not training, I'm teaching. And if you go on my Instagram, Matt Sarah BJJ, you'll see me sitting into a tripod sweep, and that fails. It goes to a nice back take to a strangle, and. I need to start my day with that. That's how I start my day four out of the five days, four out of the seven days a week. <laughs> you almost said, yeah, you meant yeah, four out of five weekdays. I knew what you meant. You know what I meant. Yeah, Monday and, through Friday. I enjoy it, Jimmy, because even when I'm not rolling, I'm sweating. And yep. the people, they're having a good time. We had 30 people on the mat this morning. That's nice. I don't know if you're aware. Yes, you are, because we spoke about it Um Jimmy, you'd be cool if you smoked, though, because the way you're putting the thing in your mouth. Here's how I do it. Do it. Nice. No, no, no. That's just, that's awkward. That's a person that doesn't, who watches smoking. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad I don't like cigarettes, man. I always thought I would like cigarettes. I tried it once. like, Yeah, they suck. Like that. Um, But my point is, my, I had a a disaster at my school, like I talked about. Oh, that's right. The flight. I forgot about that. My man Vince is over there now. This guy, nice gentleman. Uh, he's fixing it, tearing down walls and putting up sheetrock. What was wet? And oh, uh, me and the family were there the other night, just mopping up and doing things. Good. So I said, "We're back, Jimmy. You can't hold me down. Is it going to hit me a little bit? Is it going to get me in the pocket a little? A little? Guess what? Is it? Am I losing sleep over it? Is it going to ruin my fucking day?" All right, a few days ago, it ruined my day when I found out. Well, were the mats ruined? No, the mats weren't touched. 
Okay. I put the mats up in case it got to the mats. Let me ask you a question. If you, if there had been a fire, like, let's just say a fire had started, would you have been covered for that? Uh, no. And this is things are going to change. You know why? Did you get lucky? Wow. You got, this is an expensive lesson. But do you imagine if there was a fire and it was your school's fault and it ripped through the entire little mini mall you're in, wherever you are? Why not? Listen, I'm going to have to check my lease for the fire. I know it is. I know the property damage thing wasn't covered. So I'm assuming the fire is part of that because water was part of it. You got very lucky. So I was was good for liability if somebody gets hurt and yada, yada. But, you know, there's a separate thing for the property when it comes to martial arts schools. Oh, you got lucky. Well, I'm just, you know. You got lucky that it wasn't a fire that wrecked a bunch of other stores. my insurance guy's not lucky. I'm dropping that fucking guy. I, hey, dude, you know, Ellis, here's the thing. When this thing went down, Jimmy, the guy brought up some emails to me. He goes, oh, no, I had this conversation with you. Dude, he, when? When did you have this conversation with yeah. me? Well, the first time was 2010. I go, dude, that's not fucking over 10 years ago we talked about this. What the fuck are you talking about? I wasn't interested in 10 years, uh, fucking 2010 for some certain part of insurance. I didn't even have kids. What are you fucking saying? He goes, and then we spoke again briefly in 2018. I go, dude, that's five years ago. How about this? How about every time I get my shit renewed, make sure I'm fucking covered? Because I'm not, dude, I got to play, you know? <laughs> maybe, yeah. you know maybe, maybe I fucked up, but there's some blame. There's some blame. But you will never, like for me, I got sued once for defamation. So it made me realize I have to be covered, yeah, by insurance for every, I mean, I'm insured out the ass for everything. Everything, the apartment, the car, the fucking liability, errors and omissions, which is being getting sued for what I say, all that shit. But it took a tough lesson. So for you, this flood is the lesson you'll be insured now. And God forbid there's a fire or something, you'll be covered. Darn right, Jimmy. And guess what? what? I'm still having a ball. So uh, I'm looking forward. You know, the the, um, the gentleman that's coming on. Oh. Let me uh, let me look at my notes really quick. Now, Wes Chatham. Chatham. Wes Chatham. He like look. We, I heard we getting an actor on, so I heard the name. I go, well, who is this guy? Then I saw the picture of him. I go, yeah. oh fuck! Yeah. I remember him on the show, The Expanse. The Expanse is a sci-fi show, and uh, you know, I I enjoyed it. I somehow fell off it, but you know who I enjoyed the most of it? This character he played. He played a bit of a psychopath. Oh okay. <laughs> oh, he was cool. He was like very, I don't know if he's artistic, artistic or something, but he, in the movie, in the show, but he was very, there was something wrong with the guy. I want to talk to him about his character. Sure. And I, and I heard he was on all six seasons and there was development there. I'm going to go back and watch the rest of this fucking series because it was a good series. I don't know why I fell off it, but I did. It happens sometimes. You just, you stop watching something for no real reason. I just yeah. started watching a show on HBO called, the, I think, The Last of Us. Oh, not, not bad. Oh, I, not I, bad. Heard, not heard bad. The third episode that you—you—that's your favorite. Everyone's saying I've only seen the first. Don't tell me. Oh, the first one. Don't tell me. Like, I've only. Seen... Like ah, look at the blood. Don't tell me anymore because I—I I saw the first one. Yeah, it was good. Pablo Pascal is good. Um, and we also have uh, Curtis Blades on today. Who we love, Curtis Blades. He's been on many, many times. Yeah. Love to get his take on what the heavyweight division looks like now. Uh, and also we have a uh, a handicapper, Gianni the Greek Corrales. And I'm fascinated by these guys because they have their professional gamblers. Uh, I'm going to say he's a handicap. He's a gambler. Um, he's a gambling analyst. Uh, and, and I don't know if he works for UFC. I guess I should know that, but I don't. You sound like a degenerate. No, no, no. There's a, like, hey, that's what Ace Rothstein did. He was a handicapper. Now, I don't know if that's the same as this. 
I like the cold. First of all, I'm not super politically correct, but Jimmy, the, the correct thing is um, disabled. Don't be sitting there talking. How dare you call these guys? Handicapper. Um, I'm interested to see who he picks in 284 as well. We have Don't such just ignore a- my bad jokes. Don't just fucking ignore me like I'm not here. When I I'm do not. Joke. Wait, I, I didn't recognize that as an attempt at humor. I thought it was a definitive serious statement. I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, Jimmy. How come you keep you keep your vo- your volume keeps cutting out whenever you laugh or call? I don't understand why. Like you're not even being that loud. It's not good, Jimmy, because I'm lightheaded right now and crying. Look at me. Literally. Why does the volume cut out? I don't know. I'm a very loud man. I don't. Nah, think- you weren't that loud. I laughed and I coughed. Uh-huh. You got me coughing, Jimmy. And uh, um, what a card we have coming up! By the way, Alonzo Menafield against Jimmy Crute, uh, Parker Ooh. Porter, Justin Taffa, Jack Della Madalena against Randy, our pal Randy Brown, Comain Yair against Josh Emmett, amazing, and Volkanovski against Makachev is the main event. There's some really good fights. Uh, Modestus Prokakis, Tyson Pedro is the main fight of the prelims. Oh shit, man! Uh, is Tyson Pedro is he? Teammates with Jimmy Crute, Pedro and Crute. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure that they will find that behind this. Flags. No, no, they're both from. I think man, Jimmy Crute's a Kimura fan. Fan. He's a Kimura fan. Is he? Okay. Yeah, I'm an ass man. No, but he is, and I love the Kimura. Yeah, me too. Uh and then Randy Brown, Tyson Pedro is in tight. That's right, Tuivasa's brother-in-law. Yeah, I asked about Jimmy Crute, though. Thank you, Jake. Thanks for letting me know. Well, you better not act up at that fucking family barbecue with those two fucking animals. Yeah. If you're you're the friend of the family, you better not get drunk and mouth off to anybody with those two at the fucking. That's true. That's true. That'd be a bad place to act like an asshole. Well, what about the Stephen family? uh, uh, Stephen Thompson fucking Wonder Boys. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, Weidman. He's got Weidman as one brother-in-law. He's got... uh, Carlos Machado from the Machado clan is another. Right. I mean, that's a danger. They, they got all, they got, they got everything covered, that family. That's they right. got the wrestling, they got the jujitsu, they got the karate. Well, that's a that dangerous family right there. Sure is. And West trains as well. Our guest is in the, we can bring our guest right in. He's, uh, is he here? He is, yeah, he's in the waiting room, and uh, he's also, uh, I, I want to say he's either blue or purple belt in jiu-jitsu. I, I read it, and I can't remember it, and I'm going fucking blind. My eyes suck, Matt. I heard he's a purple, and they don't hand out purple. purple. You know, Jimmy, he's so stylish. Are those new? Are those new bifocals? That's pretty, well, that makes you look, that looks, anytime somebody, ah. hey, get off my lawn, hey. Ah. Yeah, they, uh, they bend. Wait, no, is, is it blue and then purple, or purple and then blue? No, it's white, blue, purple, brown, black. Jimmy. Oh, purple's after blue. Okay. I call that halfway to Jedi is what I call that. All right, look, we have a guest. That, that, hey, Wes. That. Hey, guys. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Here you're a... A purple belt. Sorry, Jimmy, to steal your steam. Okay. Right. <laughs> Are you a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Yes. Yes. 
That is fucking amazing, man. Yeah. That, that's halfway to Jedi. When people get blue belts, they go, that's nice. He either maybe he put his time in. Sometimes get a guy's put a blue belt and then they fucking next thing you know, we don't see him anymore. A purple belt means you're on the you are on that journey and you're staying on it. Yeah. You don't, you don't hand out purple belts. That's halfway to Jedi. <laughs> how, long you been, how long have you been training, Wes? Uh, I've been training, I would say, so I wrestled in high school, um, but I started training jujitsu, I would say seven years. Um, but two of those years were uh, were cut short um, because of COVID. Oh, sure. So and, uh, five solid years. Yeah. So so five solid years, and then when COVID hit, uh, for some reason I, I'm I'm not getting you guys on my. Uh, oh, you got to see um, us. Let me, let me test something real quick. You You're not getting visual of us. Are we, are we live right now? Yes, sir. Oh, f yeah, Wes. Oh f shit! Yeah. Put your hair down. Do you uh, see us? I'll switch off right here. Hold yeah, on. can you see us or no? Yeah, I can see you. I can't hear you. Oh, consider yourself yeah. lucky. You're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll All right. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll wait for you. Yeah. All right. Can you hear me fine? Sure, sure. We got everything perfect on this end. I see you. Don't think I don't see that Hicks and Gracie fucking book. Uh, breathe behind it. Ah. Is it breathe? What is it? Yes, breathe. Yeah, I, I yeah. think so. We interviewed him for that. Nixon's awesome. Oh, did you really? How was that's a recent book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one just came out. Nixon's yeah. Amazing. That's yeah, and that's you know, I saw that documentary choke, and that's one of the things that really like got me uh started thinking about training. And I was uh living in Playa Vista and Crohn's uh Crone Gracie's was his school was right behind where I mean literally walking distance. And so I showed up and I was so lucky to have a school like that close by and then that and that's when i started uh started training who gave you your purple belt well so so i i I was shooting a tv show in toronto called the expanse and so i would do uh six months in la and i did six months in toronto at toronto bjj and i do morning classes uh and so george brito in um in toronto at toronto bjj he teaches the morning classes but crone teaches the the night classes. Yeah. So you got to be uh, really close with George. And then I ended up uh, when COVID hit, we ended up doing an especially long season. And so, uh, so my second year, George gave me my blue belt. And then in my third year or my fourth year, he gave me my purple belt. Oh, that's so nice, yeah. man. And yeah. uh, speaking of the expanse, it's one of those things where I knew we would get an actor on. I saw your face. I go, Holy shit. I, I was so I was telling Jimmy, I was so, yeah. that, first of all, great science fiction show i oh, was thanks, i was, i gotta get back in you know i was just talking to jimmy how sometimes you're watching a show and you just fall off for whatever reason i fell off of it i gotta get back you were a fucking psychopath but <laughs> your, your character in that was very complex because it wasn't a cut and dry did he have some kind of and again i'm going to go back into it because there's a lot of character <sighs> development but yeah man, i like your character he was a fucking badass yeah but, he had a weird code. He had some kind of um, his 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 mindset was he was structured differently. Ice cold when it came to killing people, but yet there was a form of um, justice. There was a form of uh, loyalty. Tell me about that character, really quick, for the audience. Just yeah, so I mean, you, you're right interesting. Saying it the wrong way. Was he artistic or something? Or artistic? You mean autistic? Sorry. Yeah, autistic. Oh, yeah, so your instincts are right. I mean, as you as you progress through the season, once you get to season five, season five is uh, it, it's where I go back to Baltimore. It's like my where where you see my childhood and you understand why I was the way I was. 
but he was severely abused as a kid, severely abused. Um, and, uh, in the worst possible ways. And there was somebody in his life, her, her name was Lydia and she brought him in close to her. And it was the only good thing in his life was, was her. And so she realized that something was, you know, really damaged inside something that was damaged emotional. And if he doesn't have any guidance, he's going to go off and do terrible things. And so, so she, she started guiding me through like, this is how you be a good person. And I, and I said to her, like, I don't have the instincts to be a good person. You know, I don't know how, I don't know the difference between right and wrong. Or like if I, you know, murdering somebody or not, murder, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. So she said, you need to find good people in the world. So like with Naomi, um, she is kind of like my moral compass outside of my body. That's why I cling to her because That's... she keeps me from doing really terrible, terrible things. Now you said this, this, this backstory came to light in season five. So as an actor in season one, do you know that that's eventually going to be part of the backstory or is it something that, cause a lot of actors will create a backstory for themselves or they have a secret about the character that helps them get where they need to go in a scene that the rest of the, that, that's not written is just part of that. How did that come about? And did you know it? Well, typically that that's what I do. I mean, I, uh, like I will, if I'm playing something, I will go back and create a history. So I kind of know where I'm coming from, where I'm going. But in this instance, I was very lucky. The, the It comes from a book series, the Expanse book series. Oh, okay. Really well-known um, uh, book series. And there's a novella that's just about my character. And it's called The Churn. And The Churn tells the story of me growing up. And so I had this I had this book, The Churn, that I would read constantly, go. constantly. Amazing. I used that to kind of fuel it. And what's interesting is... And you, you picked up on it right away. But what's interesting is that the performance, in, in some ways, people were kind of confused because it's like, wait a minute, is he a good guy? And then he just starts doing terrible things. And then you come to realize, oh, he's he's not a good guy. He's just around good people. Yeah. And, and he cares about those people. And that's why he's doing good things. How awesome is it to have, like most people don't get the good fortune of having a book written about the childhood of their character that they can kind of figure out what decisions to make as the adult character. It was, I mean, it's huge. I think it was the, you know, it was the reason that, uh, that, you know, Amos was able to be what he was because it was so specific and so detailed. And I was able to, and I was able to give that book to psychologists and therapists and, and sit down and talk to them about it and say, if this happened to somebody, how would that manifest? What would that look like? if that happened right and so uh so it was it was enormously helpful and we were lucky because the authors of the books ty frank and um daniel abraham were very uh closely uh working on the show they became writers and executive producers on the show always so helps close working relationship with them okay That's a good that was five or six five seasons uh six seasons it was yeah. seven years that's a good run i mean I when you're in a, on a series like that, I'm, a, I'm I'm going to assume this is the longest series you've been on. Uh, yeah, yeah, this I is mean, uh, this is the longest. Yeah, it's these shows like I'm watching Yellowstone now. And I know there's like at least five seasons. I don't like to get invested until this a long journey ahead of me. Right. If I'm in, so with the expanse, how long like after every season are you like? When do you know if it's getting picked up again? Because I'm always wondering, I mean, some of these people with sitcoms, like, I made it. Then it gets dropped. They're like, ah, nobody Who knows. Who are you me. telling? <laughs> <laughs> like, how soon? It's about them. I mean, that six seasons is very successful for a show. I mean, 
who the fuck has that? I'm not many. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, listen, I, I feel um, really lucky because not only um, uh, did we do this for seven years, but it was like I was a fan of the books. I was a fan of the books before. So I was a, it was surreal to be a part of something that I was a fan of before. And Amos was my favorite character. And when they asked me to read for the part, I thought that they would read because physically I'm not like exactly like Amos. And so when they when they asked me to read for the part, I, I thought they would want me to read for. And I was like, I'll read for the part, but I want to read for Amos. Um, and then they they um, let me do it. And, uh, and so that kind of became my journey. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and on top of that, so being a fan of it and then a show like that going for six years, um, it was just uh it was, uh, I feel, you know, really blessed to be, to have that opportunity to be a part of that because there's some jobs I have where I'm like, man, I, <laughs> I hope this doesn't go, <laughs> I hope this doesn't go six years. You know? Now, Wes, um, I, that's how I felt about this show. And here it is all these years later doing, <laughs> doing this show. I, I don't, Matt, with 2016, maybe? This by maybe six years. We've been well over 600 episodes. I remember we celebrated the 600. Maybe we're approaching the 700 episodes. That's true. Yeah. Well, we've been doing it for a minute, like the kids say. Hey, let me ask you, do you have any of the, the fans of the book coming up to you? Like, hey, Amos, holy shit. Ah, I mean, because I became a fan from watching that. I'm like, yo, this is a this is a pretty cool sci-fi show, man, where a lot of sci-fi shows are just shit. So I'm like, <laughs> guys who are fans of the book, they must be like, do you ever run into them or get some fan mail from those people? Yeah, I got I got a real funny story. Uh, I was in um, bon yeah, so yes, the answer is yes. Like I I run into them a lot, and there's you know the fans of the Expanse. It, it's like it's it's a passion, right? You know because it's like it's very specific to that thing. And I'm a sci-fi fan, so I get it. You know when I run into people that I'm a fan of, but I was in Barnes and Noble one time. Swear to God, and. Um, there was, uh, uh, I, I really like Stephen King. I like horror novels and things like that. And so I, him and I were talking and, and he was giving me the new books that were out and we were kind of going through. And and as we were walking by the Expanse session, the section in the Expanse has this whole wall of books. And I said, have you read those books yet? And he's like, put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, oh my fucking God, those are my favorite books of all time. <laughs> and he goes, are you a sci-fi fan? You got, stop what you're doing. You got to read these books. And I was like, I, what about the TV show? He goes, oh, my God, it's the best television show of all time. Huge fan. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. And I said, um, what do you think of Amos? Oh, dude. He goes, you know, at first, the guy they cast, I wasn't sure about him. But then he really went over. And I, and I swear to God. And I said, uh, who, who plays him? And he said, a guy named Wes Chatham. I swear to God. And I, I said, uh, what's he look like? He Googled me on his phone and showed me to me. And I and, and I said, does he look familiar? And then he looked at me and was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it was a bookstore. I was taking my kids to uh, Disney World. It was like a bookstore in, in, uh, in Orlando. And he was like, you know, what are you doing here? And then we, you know, and I had this talk. And then it was like, he, then he just shut down and he, he wasn't talking the way it was before. But it was so funny, that whole process of going through. Oh, that's hysterical. That's yeah. fucking hysterical. I'm sure you get that though when people see you. Yep. They're like, and then you see them look. Now that's what happens, Jimmy. Sometimes they people look at you, and then you see them looking at their phone to see. Yeah. You. Right or wrong. Right. Oh. Hey, you uh, you host a podcast I know with the guy who wrote the books. Um, and, and are you guys doing? Is it your podcast that's doing the? You're talking about uh, the end of us. Yeah, The Last of Us. Oh, sorry. I keep fucking that up. The Last of Us. I, I only saw episode one last night. I yeah. just started it. 
and it was good. Um, I, I really liked it. I thought uh, Pablo Pascal is great. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, and why that show? Do you just love it, or did you decide to before no, they made it? The way it all worked out in in the, that show was so the the way it all worked out is uh, me and so Ty is a good friend of mine, the writer of the books, and so we were doing the show. Amazon asked uh, approached me about doing a podcast f- for the show, and I said, you know, one of the things that Ty and I love is we love to talk about movies, genre, television, certain things like that. And I said, uh, we will do the podcast and we'll talk about the show, but we will also, I want to be able to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Cause we like, we, you know, we had Thomas Jane on, we talked three hours about the movie alien or Ron Perlman. We talk about Hellboy, you know, like, and all these things. And so, uh, and so they said, okay. And they, they, you know, they let us do this, uh, podcast and we were, I was only going to do it for the season. But it became so much fun. And, and I really love talking about we, and all the things we talk about are movies from the past, television shows from the past. And then I was really excited about Last of Us coming out. And so I said, let's start talking about Last of Us. And then we just started talking about it um, because we, you know, we talk about a lot about zombie movies and everything like that. I heard one of you, I heard one of you guys' podcast where y'all talking a little bit about John Hughes uh, and, yeah. and his movies and and uh handles, man. Yeah. How old are your kids? How old are your kids, if you know my man? My kids, six and eight. Okay, and, all right. Mine are a little bit older. They're uh, nine, uh, 11, and going to be 14. Uh, uh, we tried to watch that the other day with them. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I heard. And I, I pulled the ripcord. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's a lot of those 80s movies with the kids. It's fun. But I'll watch that like when they're not around because it's a lot of sex talk. Oh, man, it seems like... I don't know if you've seen, I don't know when's the last time you've seen Revenge of the Nerds, but that movie is like criminal. Crazy, yeah. Crazy, yeah. Dude, come on, man. That's straight up. They're getting something more than me, too. Those guys are, that nerd's going to jail. (laughs) He's going to jail. Yeah, he's he's going to, I watched that movie and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, what were we back then? That was a high school, college romp, fun, like, like a fun film. PG-13. By the way, if I had Thomas Jane on, I would have spent three hours talking about Alfred Molina and Boogie Nights. That oh. scene, Thomas Jane is so fucking good in that movie and how crazy he is in that scene when he's trying to tell him, hey, we're here to steal from you. And they, they, they you know, uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, John, uh, John C. Riley have no idea what's going on and he's just focusing and going, we want to say, wow, was that good. That's all I would ask him about is how great was Alfred Molina in that fucking scene. And, and, um, Wes, I don't know if you know this, but Jimmy acts also. He was up for the role of the little Chinese kid throwing the firecrackers, but then they went with the little thing. Cosmo. Yes, they said I was uh, I was not skinny enough to be Cosmo. I had side fat and man tits, and they're like Cosmo is a twink. So Lightning. I was like, all right, firecrackers. Yes. And throwing them. The other guys are tweaking. <laughs> that was a that's an I'd say that's an underrated movie. It's a masterpiece. Boogie Nights is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. Um. Do you, are you uh, Jim, where do you live at? I'm in New York. You're in New York, and so are you, Matt? I'm in Long Island, New York. You come down here, you bring your purple out and gee. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. I mean, look, look, I mean, you're still, you know, you still pick up these every now and then, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I would love to come uh, train with you guys down there. Where are you, uh, LA? Yeah, uh, no, I live, I live in uh, Georgia. Um, South, and this, I can't, like, the day of the shutdown, um, 
I came to this little town called Serenby. It's like just south of Atlanta and it's kind of out in the woods. It's got property, you know, and everything like that. And, um, and, and my intention was to go back, like to live in LA half and live here, but I just never left here. And, um, I, I was, I, I was working in LA for six months, um, on a, on a show. And, uh, and I got back like right before Christmas and was like, man, I, I'm done with, I'm done with it. Well, plus so many auditions now or any or reads are done on Zoom anyway. Like there's so many ways to do them on Zoom or to just film yourself and submit them. You know, some casting director doesn't have to put you on tape anymore. So you can kind of be anywhere you want to be. And they shoot a lot of stuff in Atlanta, don't they? Like, uh, I mean, you know, Walking Dead, I think was shot in, in Atlanta. Um, oh, and that's, and so I'm, I'm actually from here. I grew up here. And then I ended up doing three movies back to back in Atlanta and and being around my family again and like being here and like having my kids be around their cousins and everything. And I was like, I'm and coincidentally and crazy enough, this little town I live in right now, five of my very good friends in Los Angeles who've never even been to Georgia now all live here because I loved it. They've come to L.A. to work. They come visit the area. And they're like, this is better for the kids. And so they, they ended up saying, I'm talking five, like five different families where they would come visit during the pandemic. And they're like, all right, we'll get a place here. And then they end up just staying and never leaving. Are, are you near, is it Duluth? Is that Duluth? Duluth. Duluth. Are Duluth. you near that at all or no? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's about, I would say, an hour north. Okay. Uh, my, my friend Paul Creighton has a jiu-jitsu school out there. I was just wondering. He has a Brazil. He has a mixed martial arts school. Uh, he's one of Hensel Gracie's black belts. Paul Creighton. It's called Creighton MMA. So you know. And, and Wes, before we uh, before we let you oh, go, I, I, we have our, our next guest is in the waiting room. Uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Did you get that about Creighton MMA? Yes, sir. Yeah. Not you, Jimmy. I wanted to make sure Wes has any kids. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, because we uh, we have uh, Curtis Blades is in the waiting room. I wanted to ask you two things. One, what are you promoting so we can promote it properly? Yes. Well, the thing that. Uh, the thing that I just worked on, they're uh, they're real, real secretive. But I will oh, okay. just that I'm I'm still in space. Oh, and you're a sci-fi guy. I love it. I love it. Things to look uh, forward to. We got the next Doom yeah. coming out soon. I would consider this more fantasy, if that's the right hint, than than pure sci-fi. But it's in space. Um, okay. Just I like that too. A further away. Will you and come back on, Jimmy? We're not. I know what I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, Jimmy. I'm so happy to have Amos, not Amos, but I'm so happy to have Wes with us. Uh, could you come back on when this thing's coming out so we can pull? Yeah. We didn't even get to ask about your 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 wife's uh, an MMA reporter and stuff. We didn't get to really. We're just now getting our feet wet, and you gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah, we yeah. have we have a very busy show today, but we'd love to have you back on when we have less guests, so we can have more time with you. Yeah, I would, I'd love to sit down and talk. And this was a pleasure, and I appreciate it. I do want to say before I get off, uh, my wife's podcast, Unleash, about Cain Velasquez. Um, nice. And, and, uh, and, you know, she went in conjunction with his family and everything. So uh, that's 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 been a really powerful tool for helping him in, in his process. So uh, Oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah, good for him. Good for, I'm happy for anything that goes well for Cain. Everybody's kind of rooting for him, you know? Listen, I love you guys. I, I love, you know, and so this was really cool. I appreciate it. Thank talk you, Wes. We'll definitely talk again. All right, man. Yeah, All right, be good, buddy. Thank you. Later, bro. That was great. Yeah, I just got the uh, intel that Curtis was in the waiting room. We do have Curtis and another guest. I hate to rush guests off because we're enjoying oh. him. Uh, let's get Curtis Blades in, who we also love having. Love Curtis. Uh, I'm interested to hear Curtis's take on what's going on in the heavyweight division. 
<laughs> hey, Curtis. Curtis, what's up, man? How you guys doing? Sorry you had to come in while we're talking like two hens about the color of our shirts. Ah, I'm too fat for a white T-shirt. It's all good. (laughs) Curtis, what's going on, man? I mean, the heavyweight scene is just, it just seems like it's it's just out there and up for grabs. It's out there and it's asking somebody who wants to go for the throne. And you're sitting there patiently. What is going on with you? Talk to me. I mean... Um, I was under, I was under the, uh, impression I was going to get Sergey Pavlovich after he beat Eric Lewis. And I'm just, I'm waiting. I haven't heard anything, um, legitimate yet. Uh, I've heard some rumors, I guess that's where they were heading, but it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know. And then the other Russian this weekend. Um, Spivak. Uh, yeah, Spivak. He he beats Eric Lewis. I'm like shit. I I should have just did that. I should have just did the wrestling. I knew I could do that. I wanted to. I wanted to like show some growth, and then I I lose. I lose to him. I lose all my hype. And then these guys they beat Eric Lewis, and now they they both they got all this hype. So. Intr- Oh, sorry, Curtis. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you said something really interesting that you you wanted to show that you had you wanted to show more in the arsenal. So in a way, like what you were thinking kind of got away from the instincts. Like like Kevin Holland did the same thing where they said yeah. Kevin jumped up and he shouldn't he shouldn't have. He, I mean, he should have instead of having that kind of honor thing. Like we're both going to fight the same way. So yeah. maybe you you did the same thing. That's interesting to hear. Yeah, and that was I learned a lesson. Like don't. Don't overthink. Cause when I went for that takedown, it was like a conscious thought, and that those aren't the best takedowns. The best takedowns just happen like organically within the combination. You just end up on his hips. That's that's not what I did, and that's why he was able to land the upper cut that he did. He could see me thinking yeah. about the takedown, so that's what I learned from that. And ever since then, I've been focusing on. Being as like as organic as I can be with the takedowns. If it's not like there, I'm not gonna force it. I mean, one little mistake obviously leads to like big consequences, but it kind of has to suck when you see that big Russian going there, Spivak going there, trip him down with a fucking hip throw. You're like, ah, because you're so good on the floor that, that you should. Oh fuck yeah. yeah, you should be the kryptonite for a guy like Derek Lewis. But he ends up landing that uppercut because of the circumstance, because of the situation that you're um, explaining. The star. But you know what? You made the correction. After that, what happened? Did you get caught with how many more upcuts? No, man. You won three in a row. So it's not like you didn't learn from the situation. Oh, yeah. And I would love you versus Sergey Spivak would be fucking something else. I don't think he's hitting that trip on you. No, he's not. I just, I don't know. Like, I want. My next fight, I know it's not going to be a title shot. So I want my my next fight, whoever whoever it is, it needs to be someone like, oh, I beat him. I deserve a title shot. I don't want to beat Sergey Spivak and then people are like, well, eh, who's who's Spivak? Like, I don't want that. I'm not saying that, but that's what we know how this goes. It's all about the 
casuals, whoever they believe is worthy of a title shot, as who gets it, as who has to read the resume. And I don't know if Spivak, I don't think he really adds on the, the resume in the eyes of the, the casuals. I and honestly, that. sorry, you're, you're ranked number four. He's three, uh, Pavlovich. How does that happen? How I think that, happen? that doesn't make sense to me. With the level of competition you fought, yeah. I easily think, again, it's only a one-number reversal, but I do think you should yeah. be number three. Yeah, but that's, I've, I've accepted over the last, like, four or five years. I've been in the top five. People, people sleep on me. I've been on the top five since 2018. I've yep. been holding my ground since 2018. But the rankings, they don't really mean what I originally I thought they mean. Because you're in the top five for five years. You don't get a title shot. It's like, what's going on? But that's because, like I just said, the casuals are who, are who like set up who's going to get a title shot. That's why, that's why McGregor, he always has a chance to get in the title shot because the casuals always want to see McGregor. And you're also sometimes like, and I think Leon Edwards has the same situation you do, which is the curse of the nice fighter. Like there are yeah. times where you you are you, people like you and you're not a you know you, you don't go back and forth and say shitty things that often so they might be like oh, it's harder yeah. for a nice guy but nobody wants to deal with you in the cage if they don't have to it's like uh still gone he's said in an interview uh, a few months ago like right after he beat Tui Voss it was asking him like oh is blaze next he was like Blaze is good, but uh, he is uh, he is not good matchup because basically what he's saying is like, if you fight me, you might lose, and even if you beat me, I'm gonna make it an ugly fight. You're probably not gonna get a highlight. Like it doesn't really help you as much. So like I'm a I'm a scary fight for guys because I don't I don't have the hype. So like if you you lose to me, it's like oh you lost to lost the blades yeah. so what he was saying wasn't it was just kind of saying realistically that you're like yeah. you, you're gonna grind it out and just pound somebody into the fucking yeah. floor yeah and i get it like if if i'm still gone and they're offering you john jones a power shot or blades you go with the power shot i get it but it sucks that don't just because i understand it i mean i don't it doesn't make me upset. I just there's no there's no point in me like itching and moaning about it. It just it is what it is. I gotta beat whoever they give me. I gotta yeah. beat them. I got I gotta do what Leon Edwards did. He had You'll to get beat it. like nine dudes in a row. But hey, I'm gonna do it. And then you got Tom Aspinall, and that a lot of buzz around him. It felt like the movie The Great White Hype. And I was like, man, this is exciting. What's happening here? And then you, it, 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 you got a W, but they're almost like, ah, he blew his leg out. It's like, ah, I can't get a, can I get some? I yeah. still stepped in, young kid. Everybody's gassing him up. And don't get me wrong, I love Tom. I'm not shitting no, on Tom. You know, fuck. It's like, yo, I got the victory. He hurt his leg in the process. Now nobody's even kind of praising me. It's like, shit. Yeah. yeah. No. After Poor that. Curtis, Curtis gets it. We got to get some respect for Curtis, man. I respect you. 
Jimmy does. I know you guys do, and I appreciate that. People respect you. They respect you almost like your fighting is respected so much that nobody wants to fuck up some, again, uh, some guy they consider a prospect by putting him in the cage with you because you're you're a brick wall for that. Yeah, and like um, a business aspect, I get it. But as a, a competitor, as an athlete, and like athletics are supposed to be based off of meritocracy. Yep. And that that's like the huge like divide between like the UFC and other sports. Like in the NFL, you get to the playoffs because you win X amount of games. NBA, NHL, MLB. The UFC or combat sports, we don't really have a playoff. We don't have like what's a uh, requirement to get a title shot. There's no like set It's rule. not mathematical. Yeah, it's like it could be anybody. And that's I think that's the part of like the the draw. People are like sure. You can always have a legitimate argument for like three, four well not always, but a lot of times. A lot of times you can all and that's controversy um itself, you know? So what do you think, Curtis? What do you think? Because you look at the at the uh, you know there's a, a vacant uh, gone against Jones. Um, now Stipe said he's waiting for the winner yeah. of that. Stipe is a very solid wrestler, but I, I don't blame Stipe. What's that? He's I not, think he'll get it too. He's not gonna fight me because just no. like you said, why would he screw up his plan? If he could, if he can just hang out and get a title shot, why not? Frankie Edgar, I'm sorry, sorry, Frankie Edgar fought, was it Ortega, I think, when he was waiting for, when Max got hurt or something? Yeah, he didn't have to do that. He shouldn't have done it. Didn't have to do it. Shouldn't have done it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think a lot of people learn that lesson and they see your name pop up and they're like, why the fuck would I do this? Like if I have a possible title shot. Um, So do you think Sergey will will take you um, or or maybe they'll force him to uh, and then the, the, the winner of you guys fights the winner of Miocic fighting the winner of Jones gone, unless there's a rematch for that. That's what I was hoping. I'm hoping I get um, Pavlovich, because I think his his name on my resume, it carries a little more weight than Spivak's name at this current time. And I think it went over him. Yeah. Um, Jones gone. They fight. And then... Whoever wins, I don't. It's so, so many variables. Because what if uh, Gon wins and do a immediate rematch? Then what? And then that just extends. It's that's why I don't really think about it. It's so many like like alternate realities. Right. Where if this happens, this happens. If this doesn't happen, this might happen. Like I don't know. I'm just hoping I can get Pavlovich and do my part and get a win over him. Dollar-wise, that would be a fun-ass fight, man. Let's yeah. see who's going to pull that grappling. Let him try that schoolyard trip on Curtis Blades. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's happening. But I want our audience. I want them, because the way you're talking, sometimes it's almost like we're talking about the critics and saying, oh, well, if he wins, it's ugly. Or if it, Hey, man, everybody go to UFC Fight Pass, putting Curtis Blades versus the former champ, Alistair Overeem. People talk about Francis Ngannou's uppercut with Alistair. I understand. That was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh, damn. That, that, 
That'll get you a goddamn title shot. Give me three more of those elbows on your next three opponents. I mean, that was something else. I want people to see that and see how devastating you are. I mean, because shoot, man, that you versus Sergey, fucking that, that's a, a grapple is delight. Even though you're all you're both well-rounded, I want to see who ends up on top of that. I believe it will be me. And and I've been working hard on my jujitsu. I got my purple belt back in August, and I, I really do feel like a purple belt. Like I understand the mistakes that are made. I understand how to adjust them. I may not always adjust them as 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 to the brown or black belt, but I do understand the adjustments now. One of those elbows is going to turn a black belt to a fucking white belt. That's what I know. <laughs> That's always there too. And Carter, what do you think of uh, Francis leaving? I, I I was surprised they let him go. Do you think it was because maybe he's thirty six and the knee might be in a little bit worse shape? And you know, every fighter has a shelf life, especially after a major major surgery like that. Do you think that might have played a part in it? I think that that was a small factor because of uh, the uh, before he got the injury, he hadn't had any major injuries. So it's not like you can say he has a history on right. like a uh, could be like in and out of the hospital for an extended period of time. So that might have been a small factor. I just I think it was the money. I think he he um respected him. He he had goals and he he tried to make it happen and he stood his ground didn't get what he wanted and he walked and the UFC they called his bluff and he actually walked and I think I think it's going to work out in the end for him I think he only needs one huge boxing fight to make it all like it was worth it if he can get one fight for 8 million dollars that's a lot of money that's a lot of money I think yeah. you can do that. I think that's very realistic. Now, let you. Uh, what do you think about John uh, moving up from two hundred five, um, where again now fighting somebody uh, a larger and and stronger? What do you think? What kind of factor do you think his wrestling is going to play or his jujitsu uh, against a guy like who's who's as strong and who has the range that Cyril has? I think it depends on the type of um, wrestling. Like, is he going to be in the um, clinch hitting sweeps and whatnot or would it be like like how i do it like the takedowns from like a distance off the jab it depends because if he gets up under him like if he shoots a takedown from like a distance and he gets up under him is he going to have the, the strength to redirect and get back up onto his feet because that's that's not easy that's why a lot of heavyweights don't like to do it but once you get up under a guy you don't have to be really skilled to sprawl, you just got to be heavy and let the gravity do the work. And I don't think we've all seen Shogun, he's not the best at grappling, and Ghana was able to expose that. So I do believe John will get takedowns. It's just how much energy will he have to exert? Interesting you say about being, I'm sorry, Matt, about being heavy. Because in the second uh, Francis Stipe fight, Francis sprawled. I think it was in the second, and you're like, oh, yeah. Stipe may have a hard time. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, as a, as a non-wrestler, maybe that's what it is, just being heavy yeah. and a little bit quick. A heavyweight, the rules are different. You don't have to be as technically sound. You don't have to get your hip down as fast. Just got to be extra heavy when you need to be. I think I think Jones can end up on bottom and yeah. submit him or 
Jefferson from bottom. Yeah, I yeah, he could do that. Cyril Gunn, Cyril Gunn in that last round, and I I pointed out a bunch. He should be the new champion. He fucked up more than Francis did. This, oh yeah, this yeah, year. yeah, yeah. But he got the takedown in the beginning of the smart. round. He got the takedown, Curtis. He did the smart. single leg, took yeah. him down. All he had to do was stay on top. But he decided to go for a fucking leg lock. You gotta be wow. smarter. You gotta be smarter than that. That's on him. I wouldn't. Have I mean, I <laughs> shit, man. You fight to get the composition. Yeah. He got it. They're clean. He laid down with a big fucking tree trunk of a leg. Francis <laughs> got on top. Francis stayed on top. He leaves with the belt. So Cyril gone. He 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 plays that game. He even sits down he, more than once. He laid down with legs. Yeah. So you shouldn't do that at heavyweight. Because sometimes you can just, I've had guys who are way more skilled than me in on a hill hook. And I'm just, I'm just, I have the strength to just like resist them just enough, get hand control, and then it's it's over. That's what I did with Alistair. He had the hill hook on me. He almost had it. I didn't know what the hell to do. I just like, I'm going to be strong. And it worked. You mean just being a heavyweight and, and the fact that your legs are so long yeah. and, and, and so powerful, it's a little yeah, easier for you to resist something. I get to break the rules. I don't have to follow the, all the rules of jujitsu. That's what a lot of heavyweights don't get. I always put my own little sprinkle on moves. Like my, If I do a butterfly sweep, I don't have to have my hook in as deep because my, my, my legs are so long. The deeper I have it, the weaker my hook gets, which is not usually how it is. That's just a little, like, heavyweight jujitsu isn't the same as everyone else's jujitsu. It's true. You got these wiry guys that, like, wrap around the legs. Yeah, and they, like, it ain't the same. Big, you like, can't do, that. do it. And they get, like, it pops <laughs> off. And you got a guy, yeah. Curtis Blake, throwing elbows on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, look, Curtis, uh, you know that we, uh, we're we really pulling for you to get a, a shot, and you will. I mean, w- with guys who – you will, and just like Leon did, you will uh, uh, get a shot. You know what I mean? Leon hung in there, and, and uh, even though you took the, the one loss, three straight wins after that against really good fighters, um, and I'm sure whoever has to deal with you next, you, you'll be a problem for them too. Hopefully it'll be Sergey Pavlovich. But uh, please come back on and talk to us again before your next fight. Uh, you know, we're always rooting for you, and it's good to, to talk to you. For sure. Hey, always, always a pleasure. I mean that. Thank you. Guys. All right. Thank you, Curtis. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, guys. All right, big, big yeah, good buddy. Good day. Later, Curtis. Later. And again, I, I hated, I hate wrapping up with Curtis, but we have our next guest, uh, 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 Gianni. Uh, oh, is Gianni it Gianni? Oh, Gianni the Greek waiting Gianni. in the uh, Gianni the Greek waiting in the waiting room. I love yeah. Curtis. I can talk to Curtis Blades all day. He's one of my favorite guys to interview. And then the rest of the day, I'll talk to Wes. Yeah. Wes. Ch- yeah, I like talking. Yeah, but Sergey. Oh man, he what do you think? I, I do you think Curtis has that problem because again, he's a really nice guy. He just doesn't talk a lot of shit, and it's it's probably harder. It's easier to sell when two guys are going back and forth, and when one is just kind of a nice, humble guy who will put you on the floor and pound your head. Dude, you know what? Keep knocking them down, and things will happen. It will happen. Know? Yeah, we hope so. Recently, and it was a big one with Derek Lewis, and since then. Since then, he's fucking been, he righted that ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. How you doing, man? 
God bless America. Never better. Super Bowl week in Vegas. It just don't get better than this. I've been here 20 plus years, Jim, and I still get excited like a kid on Christmas when it's Super Bowl week. And you would think after 25 years, it would be just another game, but I still get up for it. Let me ask you a question too, and I, I might be incorrect. I referred to you before as a handicapper. Is that incorrect? Is that a, a, the bad term or did I make a mistake there? No, I mean, that's fine. I do handicap, but I consider myself an advantage player. I'm a professional sports better, uh, but I do dabble in other areas where I know I have an advantage. I played blackjack with a team for a while, but I can no longer play. Um, you know, I'll step in here and there when I see a spot where there's inefficiencies, but that's rare. So I'm mostly in the sports betting market day in, day out. And I'll jump the card, Jimmy. What do you yeah. think? Well, I want to ask when you're going to bet somebody, because Matt and I go, we do our picks every week, right? Now, I, you know, some weeks Matt's better, some weeks I'm better. Uh, Matt knows a lot more about jujitsu and, and fighting than I do. But my yeah, picks I are still. Jimmy. What's I, that? I'm not, gonna, I'm not Yanni the Greek. I pick with my heart. I don't. Me, that's what I was going to say. How do you avoid betting with your heart? Like, if it's a team or a guy you love, will you just not take that one as opposed to betting against them? Oh, no, I'm a machine. I'm a robot. I, I, I have indicators, and when those indicators check off, I place a bet. I try to keep emotion and bias out of it. I'm human like anyone else. Sure. And because of that, I fight that bias each and every day. But what I try to do is even cover the names and just look at the data and make my determination before I even look at the board. Because if you look at the board, the odds makers may make fighter A the favorite over fighter B. But you may have came to the conclusion that fighter B should be the favorite. But if you already look at the betting odds, you've been biased to believe that the other fighter should be favored. So before I even look at what the odds makers put up, before I even look at what the narrative is, I look at the data and see if there's anything that sticks out that may give me an edge that just isn't factored into the betting line. That's when you find advantages. When you have bits of information that's not factored into the betting line. Once it's factored into the line, the information is meaningless, Jimmy. It's like knowing it's going to rain before everyone else does. You get some value if you bet weather in football games. But knowing it's going to rain when it's already raining outside, you can't take advantage of that. The odds makers have already adjusted the total for that rain. So the key for me is to get out ahead of information. And to do that, it's looking at data that most recreational and casual fans and betters aren't looking at. That's the goal that I try to, you know, each and every week, find that nugget that's not being talked about much. Well, like Matt just was indicating, uh, we, we were waiting for you before we made our picks. Matt, how should we do this? Because uh, do you want to uh, make a pick and then let Yanni make it? Or how do you want to do it? I'm, I'm curious as to who, or, or do you not give picks? I'm curious as to who you think. Asking who you ask, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, Yanni. I, I would love to hear what you guys are picking, and I, more importantly, I would love to hear your conclusion on how you got there and, and just bounce it off me. So maybe I could help point you in, in the right direction if I agree or if I disagree, tell you where and why. Okay, Makachev Mark against uh Volkanovsky. I want to take Volkanovsky because I like him better and I, I enjoy watching him fight more. But if I had to bet with just what I think, but with limited knowledge, I would have to say Makachev. 
because again, he's so dangerous on the floor. And I know Volkanovsky used to be heavier, but then lost a lot of weight. But that's different than going up and weight and dealing with a guy who's used to fighting at 155 um, and who is the current champion. I mean, they each have, they have two losses between them. So uh, I think those things considered, I would have to take Makachev. Now, there's a lot of data I'm sure I'm leaving out. And, and Matt, what side do you like in the main event? Well, listen, if anybody knows me, if there's a short, bald underdog, I'm actually <laughs> going for that. But there's a reason why he's going to be the underdog. Islam, his takedowns and his ground control to that usually leads to a submission is just uncanny. It's so beautiful to watch. He doesn't muscle people to the ground. It's very clean, his takedowns. And he's doing it with just bigger, larger, stronger, more powerful guys. Guys that are powerful and that are never making lightweight. They're never making, I'm sorry, they're never making- um, Featherweight. They're not getting any lighter. So, but on the flip side of that, as a jujitsu guy, being on top of a guy that's smaller, sometimes they're harder to hold. Sometimes they do scramble up because they got little legs. So that is one thing to keep in mind. And he's also training with Craig Jones, uh, um, uh, Volkanovski, who's one of the best grapplers on the planet, tall, lanky guy. Having said all that, I, I just can't, in my right mind, go against Islam because I just feel he's he's that good. And I feel he's going to get him down, and it's going to be a different level of control when you got one of these, you know, expert Dagestani grapplers on top of you. So I just think it's going to be Islam, and I'm going to say he's probably going to get him out of here by the, the, the third round. I love hearing professional fighters break down a fight because it makes me so certain I made the right choice. Meaning you see things I never see. I look at it as simple as this, Matt. Islam Makachev's a minus 400 favorite. For me to bet him, I have to conclude he wins this fight greater than eight out of 10 times. So if they're fighting in your backyard, if they're going to meet 10 straight weeks every Monday and they fight 10 times, how many times is Islam beating Bokanovsky. If Islam's beating him more than eight times out of 10, you bet Islam, that's the value side. If you think Volk could win greater than two out of 10 times, you bet Bokanovsky. That's what the price means. To me, that's all that matters is the price. Where it's set right now, that's for retail, meaning guys like myself know how good Makachev is. So we're looking for spots where he's going to be undervalued. This isn't it. It was last time against Oliveira. But the way he sliced through him, there's a lot of recency bias there. That's why this line's moving in his direction. It opened at minus 330. Now we're looking at above minus 400. So for a guy like me, I got to sit back and just watch Makachev go out there and do what he should. And that's beat Volkanovsky. I understand the argument on the Volkanovsky side. He just, it's hard to make him look bad against anybody. But Islam, when you look at his analytics, they are just so off the charts. I mean, he'd be favored over everybody before beating Oliveira. That was already concluded. So for me, I like the, the Makachev side, but it's just not a bettable side for me. Um, so it's one of those where I just got to sit back and enjoy it. So you, oh, you think he'll win, but you think because it's minus 400, there's just not a lot of advantage to actually betting it. Exactly. It's like bad bets win all the time. I live in Vegas. Someone's going to hit a roulette number as we're speaking right now. And they're going to say they made a great bet, but they only got paid 35 to one. And there's 38 numbers on the roulette wheel. So it was a terrible bet. You should have got 38 to one just to get even. If you got more than 38 to one, then it's a great bet. 
Well, you're getting 35 to one when there's 38 little spots that the ball could fall in. Again, bad bets win all the time. But if you constantly make them, you will go broke. And if you make good bets all the time, you'll lose along the way. But when the dust settles, you'll be up. And very few people are up on the bookmakers. How do you as a professional, like, because gambling is so addictive and I'm an addictive personality. Like I, I'm, a, Ooh, I'm, oh, I'm a weakling. So do you consider yourself addicted to it or how do you prevent that? How do you keep it more of a business that you make business decisions and not let that emotional, fuck, I got to keep doing How do you stop that? I, I treat it like a business so it pays like a business. And I learned to do that. Meaning I don't have favorite teams, favorite sports or anything like that. I haven't watched a baseball game a whole nine innings in years. And I bet every single game for the last 20 years, every single day that there's baseball and I haven't watched the game forever. It doesn't matter to me anymore. Right. I don't even look at the scores before I go to bed. I wake up the next day and I see how I did. They're going to play out. I, once I make my decision, I can't control what's going to happen. The fighters are going to do what they're going to do. The ref's going to do what he's going to do. The judges are going to do what they're going to do. I placed my bet and I could conclude whether I placed a good bet or a bad bet before they even walk into the octagon. Because if I have a ticket in my pocket with a number that's better than what it closes at, my job's done. I placed a good bet. Meaning if I have Makachev minus 300 in my pocket right now and he closes minus 400, regardless of outcome, I did my job. I got the yeah. best of it. I got about a 5% edge on the books. And long-term, if I just keep repeating that exercise, I'm going to take their money. Um, and for me, that's what I've been able to get to that point where I just look at it as a business. I treat it like a business and it keeps paying like a business. I don't look at it as entertainment or sport. Like I don't cheer. I don't get excited. I could care less at the end of the day. I can't tell you who was last year's Super Bowl winner. Um, and I, you know, had 40 bets in that Super Bowl with props and everything. Cause like, that doesn't matter to me. I'm not a fan. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I use it as an investment vehicle only. If, if I'm not betting, this is the last thing I want to do. Like on my free time, I'm not watching sports. That's the last thing I want to do. When I'm That's off, I'm not watching any games. Uh, dude. Let's do the co-main, Matt, too. Let's just do that one as well. Um, Josh Emmett against Yair Rodriguez. Um, I mean, Yair is such a dynamic striker and so much fun to watch and he's exciting and he, he fights with a lot of energy but uh, i think i take josh emmett in this fight because again he's like a little tank and he just doesn't stop coming forward um and you know the, the win streak is uh i think it's uh, i'm looking at five fights and it's uh you know six out of nine but i, I just got to take emmett in this fight because i think him coming forward and putting as much pressure as he does on yair stops yair from doing certain things he might want to do that he needs a little distance for normally again I like that straightforward raging bull style of Josh Emmett. I do, but it's fair to say Yair Rodriguez fought more fighters similar to Josh Emmett than Josh Emmett fought fighters yeah. that are similar to Yair. So I'm going to say Yair by just being so unorthodox, coming at him with stuff from angles, from different perspectives that I don't think Josh dealt with. I'm sure he's dealt with it in, in, in camp with the uh, team alpha. You know what I mean? With uh, Uriah Faber and the crew. But I think yeah, yeah Rodriguez is going to get this done. And I'm going to get I'm gonna get in by third round stoppage. I'll say this. Uh, one thing is he did beat uh, uh, the Korean zombie who does come forward a lot. But 
he was losing that fight, I, I believe, until the fifth. And, I, and it wasn't a lucky, it was a great strike. I mean, it was a beautiful strike, but it was one that just came circumstantially in that moment. I mean, he was not able to stop, I, I think, the Korean zombie through most of that fight. How did he do with uh, Jeremy Stevens? Yeah, he did. He did. Be, I think they both beat Jeremy Stevens, actually. Yeah, um, but Jeremy is a lot more like Josh Emmett. Than absolutely. He is. Yes. Let's, see, let's hear the Greek. Yeah. You get it Great two-way action here, meaning Yair Rodriguez opens minus 160. He's right around minus 160, 170 right now. So that reflects you're getting good two-way action. Betters disagree. And it makes sense because they've both been profitable in this spot, meaning Yair's 8-0 when he's the favorite. He's the favorite now. And Emmett's 5-1 and one as an underdog. So when he's been the underdog, he's outperformed the betting market. If you're going to fade him in this spot, you better have some conviction. And with him being seven or eight years older, I will rarely bet a fighter in this position. But I do have an Emmett ticket in my pocket because when I look at the analytics, the one thing that sticks out to me the most is that Yair does most of his damage in striking from a distance. 64% of his minutes, he strikes from a distance. But to beat Emmett, you, you got to be able to do more than that because he only absor he absorbs all his significant strikes from a distance. 90% plus of the damage he takes is from a distance. And when you see Yair, he's not doing all his the majority of his damage from that spot. That stuck out to me more than anything, um, coupled with just how tough Emmett is and this one going five rounds. Give me some plus money. I'm a sucker for it. I got a small bet, nothing big, but I do think there's some value on this underdog. The age is the only thing that scares me. And of course, obviously, Yair being so uh, dangerous as a striker. Wow. what a, it's, Isn't it funny, Matt? Like, there's so many things I would never think of. Percentage of strikes landed from a distance percentage of damage taken i guess between the two of them there's like what a uh a 16 percent 26 percent difference uh between 64 and 90 right the amount of damage he does and the amount of damage he does. so that that's so interesting i would never think to even uh, look for that statistic and and you see real quickly 30 percent of uh uh rodriguez's damage is done in the clinch on the ground and when i look at emmett he's absorbed only two percent of his damage on the ground, only 5% of his damage in the clinch. So again, if you're beating this guy, you are beating him from a distance. Granted, obviously his coaches know this as well. So I'm sure Rodriguez is planned for that. But if you see him not doing that and trying to do what he usually does and get in there close, you know, it might be a nice live bet to look at Emmett. I think there's some value there. Well, yeah, do you do a podcast or anything where people can kind of keep up with you? It's just so interesting. Um, this, and are you promoting anything? I want to promote whatever you're promoting. Yeah, I mean, I have a podcast on, on Fight Pass, The Gambler's Perspective, me and Nick Kalikas, odds maker from Circa, long time, the original MMA odds maker. We cover it, again, from a betting perspective. Also, UFC on the line. We're in our fifth season uh, on UFC Fight Pass. Another, again, where we cover the paper using some of the fight nights from a gambling perspective. So check me out. And, of course, social media at Greek underscore gambler. Well, I hope you come back on again, man. It's fascinating to, to listen to you break down uh, a, a fight and why you're making the decisions. But they're all obviously very smart decisions because they're well thought out. From a gambling person, again. Yeah, I, of course. I, I, like Matt, know, Matt knows Brazilian jiu-jitsu, MMA, fighting sure. a billion times better than I do. But I've spent the last 40 years doing nothing but betting sports every day. That's the advantage I have.
Yep. Can, at can Greek please? underscore gambler. Sorry, Matt. At Greek underscore gambler on Twitter and Instagram. Can I just tell you, I'm not a sports guy at all. All I do is watch the fights. I enjoy the fights. But you told, and I and I don't gamble whatsoever. I've been in Smart Vegas. Game. How many Smart. times? Never yeah. gamble. One time, I'll you know come on, I'll do the slots about it's in a while. Exactly. Not a lot. But hearing you discuss this for a simpleton like me, it's very it's very interesting. You yeah. make it very interesting and very understandable. Where I'm like, oh, that makes a lot. Yeah, it makes great. sense. Yeah. I'm a simple guy. I'm from a row house in South Philadelphia. I don't have an Ivy League education. I barely have a high school education, but I learned my craft very well. Again, this is where less than 1%, you get in a room, Matt, you put 100 sports bettors in a room, maybe one of them has positive lifetime earnings. That's fact. It's common knowledge. These casinos, it's public. Less than 1% of their patrons are profitable. So very few people win betting sports. If you're going to do it, probably you should be doing it for entertainment and having fun with it. Because if you're going to dedicate your life to it, it's a very difficult craft to uh, master. I love the way you break it down, man. Yeah. I'm going to be watching this stuff. Yeah, and I love the fact that you 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 sound like Philadelphia. It's just it's so great <laughs> to hear. Uh, such a I, I just I love guys like you, and uh, I would hopefully have you on again soon if you'd be Thank willing you. to come Keep back. Crushing on Gutfeld, man. I'm a, I'm a fan of both of you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Love the podcast. Keep crushing it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, man. We'll talk to you again. Make sure you tell my guy hello. He loves you. Longo loves you. I'm going to tell him. That's my guy. Thank you. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. That was great. Um, well, Leah, uh, this was a really fun show. If you want to see me tonight, I'm at the Fat Black Pussycat here in the city, 7 p.m. And if not, uh, come next week and see me. And, um, Sarah BJJ, uh, if, if you dot com, right? Yeah, that's me. Dot com. Sarah BJJ Academy on the uh, Instagram. Matt Sarah BJJ on Instagram. Cameo Matt Sarah. Jimmy. Um, hi. And also the fight this weekend. Yes. Regular, regular time. Yeah. Let me let me promote them real quick because I am really looking forward to this oh, card. My wife's toggle. I was looking for this and it's in my shorts. Oh. nothing to do. Most importantly, I would say this. Hold on, let me just go up here and get the information. Uh, if you UFC Unfiltered, keep up with us on social media. Uh, hit follow on Twitter and also on uh, Instagram if you want to keep up with what we're doing and uh, you know when the podcast is out, who we have out. If you happen to miss one, you can keep up with us on uh, social media. And this, uh, let's see, this uh, UFC 284, February 11th. That's this Saturday, of course, from Perth. Uh, Makachev and Volkanovsky for the lightweight title. Alexander going up the early prelims, 6 o'clock New York time, 8 o'clock New York time at the prelims, 10 o'clock New York time is the main card. Matt, I will talk to you soon. Thank you to Wes. Thank you to Yanni. And thank you to our pal Curtis Blades. Yes, and we could hang up, but I've been getting a lot of positive feedback on me singing us out. Oh, awesome. It never happened. You can hang up when you can. But just remember, Everybody out there, um, remember what the great um, Freddie Mercury said. Don't stop me now. Jimmy, we're having a good time. We're having a ball. Don't stop me now. We're having a good time. Hey, give me a call.